I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. I'm Sarah Raven. I garden to be tied into the seasons and the soil and to nature. And I know that without gardening, I would be a definitely more restless, less mindful, more manic person. I'm Arthur Parkinson. I work for Sarah as a florist and I'm also a gardener. I'm a henkeeper. So I garden because I think as individuals, through gardening organically and gardening for pollinators and birds, we can do a huge amount of good, far quicker than councils and governments can put things into action. And I don't want the planet to just become a barren Mars wasteland. I want flowers and I want, I want life. So I think it's about getting back to the whole concept of Adam and Eve in a way, nurturing plants and ourselves and, and animals through growing. I really love harvesting. I also think of my garden as a shop. And I'm just incredibly lucky that I've got a well-stocked greengrocer and a brilliantly stocked florist outside my back door. Welcome to Gardening with the RHS. I'm Verity Battle. As Sarah and Arthur suggested, gardening means different things to different people. For me, it's about being outside with nature and watching the plants I care for grow and flourish. And on today's show, we'll be hearing how people have been helped by horticulture. From an RHS student who was drawn to a community allotment after a traumatic life event, to someone who's using growing to restore people's confidence. Plus, organic grower Anna Greenland will be boosting our immune systems with a fiery homemade drink. Let's start in Plymouth and the Horticultural Therapy Trust. It's a charity that uses gardening to help support people challenged by long-term or severe mental health issues, illness or acquired brain injury. Deb Hoskins is the amazing person behind this project and she spoke to us about the transformative impact it has had. We work with people to find what is helpful to them as individuals. So there's no set plan. We have worked with quite a few participants. About a third of our participants have acquired brain injury, and that can be from road accident, brain tumour. One woman had a brain tumour when she was a very young child, eight or nine, and is still growing and developing into her 30s. And being in the garden with us, you know, all the different things she's learning, repetition, 
mainly just being a person and sharing and, you know, having conversations with people and a bit of a laugh and a bit of depth as well. We work with a lot of participants who experience um, hearing voices and that can be really debilitating. But the one thing that you see if you come into the gardens and you see everybody there working together, doing their bit, chatting, whether it be seeds sitting at a table or digging a new area or propagating plants and all the things that everyone will be doing, it's a group of people. It's a group of everyday people, which we are finding way through life together. And the garden and being outdoors is key to that because there's something about connecting with nature, which is very deeply healing. The differences I see from when I first meet people, I mean, somebody who arrived, you know, couldn't even look anyone in the eye, so disconnected, so isolated in themselves through trauma and self-worth, self-belief, self-esteem, confidence. You know, that wasn't, I don't think that's a word that meant anything really to them then. You know, that sounds awful, but it is how it was. And within even months, that person would arrive, be there, smile, begin to connect with people, but already they might have connected with the robin or with the plant or the beauty of growing something or the fact that they could see the lettuce and it would grow. And over a few years now, because sometimes, you know, people are with us for a few years and this person now comes in, chats to everyone, has a laugh, they've learned they can joke, they've learned that they can um, share how they feel. You just wouldn't recognise them and um, family and friends don't either. Or somebody else who's always been hearing voices and being in the gardens, working in the gardens, has meant that they can manage the voices that they hear and the voices are less and their quality of life is massively improved and different. It's so meaningful to me to be there and see those dramatic changes happening. It's what keeps me doing it. But it's far beyond anything that I ever would have expected or maybe even hoped for because I didn't know what was possible. And I never know what's possible with any person who comes in that gate and walks through the woodland path and and enters the garden and I never know what's possible and I am constantly, as are they, constantly deeply touched by the changes that I see, by just, just seeing people begin to thrive along with the gardens. They're growing and the gardens are growing and it is so meaningful. <laughs> I think or I feel or my experience is that gardening, being in gardens, evokes this dramatic change because I feel like sometimes we forget as humans we are part of nature. It's not about connecting with nature. We are part of nature. We're already connected, whether we know it or not. 
But what makes the difference then deeply in people's well-being is physically, sensory, emotionally, psychologically connecting with nature. What I find is I often say that the first steps to a better relationship with themselves, because that's what it's about. Most participants come along and and their self-critic, their view of themselves is really poor. But that's often because the view of society or their upbringing has been a very poor view of themselves as well. By upbringing, I mean, many people might have been through abuse or trauma. So connecting with nature, be that a bird, sometimes with children, it's it's a wood lice or a snail. Um, a lot of the adults that I work with, you know, we pond it and you're connecting with the nudes or the tadpole and just growing, seeing things grow, smells, the perfume, all that sensory stuff, the colours. What is happening is, is a relationship. It, it's those first steps of the relationship with the natural world around us that we feel a part of and a part within. So there's more to life than being alone. And that connecting, that relationship with nature is often then the real first steps to a better relationship with self. Because when a robin comes and sings to you and isn't afraid of you, that does something inside. For me, that piece just reinforces how good gardening is at bringing people together. I also completely agree that you're never too old to go pond dipping. I love it. My name's Alex Young. I'm a horticulturalist here at Archer's Garden Wisley. Gardening for me means an awful lot because it's not just sort of my career. It's also my hobby, which I spend a lot of time doing. And I always sit and ponder what I'd do without gardening because at the time when I was introduced to it, I was at not the best sort of mental state in my life. So when I sort of found gardening and was encouraged to just go outdoors and spend time in nature and become familiar with plants, it started to sort of, I guess, put life into perspective, you know? Like, there's a lot going on in life, not just now, but in general. But when you sort of stop and take time and appreciate what's around us, there's just things going on constantly with insects and plants, etc. So I'd encourage anyone who doesn't garden or has never thought of it, give it a go. And I'd be surprised if you don't get back out in the garden. (laughs) Hello, I'm Kirsty Ward from My Little Allotment. And I've had an allotment space now for four years and it's my absolute pride and joy. My allotment space means so much to me. And I started gardening after the breakdown in my mental health following a traumatic pregnancy and birth with my youngest daughter, Mila. I was diagnosed with PTSD and did a lot of reading into how to help post-traumatic stress disorder and read a lot about how gardening is a great focus therapy for mental health and well-being. My allotment space has been the most important thing to me over the past four years and without it, I don't know where I'd be. Kirsty's allotment clearly means a huge amount to her. 
something our next guest will definitely appreciate. Bapinda found solace at the RHS Garden Wisley's community allotments after illness changed the course of her life. But her first introduction to gardening started much earlier. My most vivid and fondest memory would be when I was five years old and my mother used to give me a small bowl of coriander seeds and fenugreek seeds. So coriander in Punjabi is dhania and fenugreek is mithi. And she would ask me to scatter them on a very small patch of soil that we had in our garden. So I would actually just get the whole bowl and just throw it up into the air and they would just land into this small patch of soil. And then I would have great pleasure just harvesting it with my mother and she would make the most delicious curries using the coriander. And with the mithi, she used it to make these wonderful Indian fried bread. It's making my mouth water. (laughs) I had a very successful career as a lawyer And unexpectedly, I had a life-changing illness, a stroke, which left my left side very weak. I then made a conscious decision that I would focus on getting myself strong again. And that is what propelled me into gardening. I applied for the RHS Community Allotment Programme It was really rather fortunate as how I came about it. So I was actually in hospital and I used all my bodily efforts. I was very, very weak at the time to reach for the RHS, the garden magazine, which actually somebody had left and opened it. And there was a very small ad saying that there was this project and they were looking for new applicants and Everything inside of me yelled out, just do it. It's given me the opportunity to really nurture my vegetables on the community allotment, which has been so exciting. And like attending the vegetables has been for me like tending the gardener for myself. And it's been soothing for my mind, body and soul. And watching the smallest shoots just push through the soil has given me shoots of hope and determination within my own life. And it's been pleasure just watching these small seedlings grow into vibrant vegetables to be able to pick them and then make delicious meals out of them. And gardening for me hasn't only just been about the plants. It's given me the opportunity to meet new gardeners and really connect with the RHS Wisley Gardeners. And I've learned so much. I've gleaned so much from them. And it's been thrilling for me because I love learning. And it's inspired me to do the RHS Horticultural Diploma, which I'm doing at the moment. And in terms of gardening tips, I've learned grow what you enjoy eating and start with small quantities. I think that really builds up one's confidence. You know, start with easy things like green salads, beans, sugar snap peas, and herbs aren't very difficult to grow, like mint, thyme and rosemary. 
and they had great flavours to meals too. And you don't need a garden. I've truly learned that you can do everything in containers, which has been a real revelation for me. It doesn't matter what plant or vegetable or flower, it can be transplanted in a different growing media. And there's grain bags for tomatoes and potato bags and wild flowers for our beloved pollinators in window boxes. So everything that I've been growing at RHS Wisley on the allotment, I bring back home and I look through my recipe books and I love simple meals. So everything that I've learned, I've put into practice and I still use the coriander and add it to my curries and I use the fenugreek I made to emulate my mother's brothers. It's great to hear from Bipinda. I love the community allotment here at Wisley. They're located in the orchard and although in a fenced off area, you can go in and see what's being grown. The community allotmenteers have a plot each, as do our first year students. Each plot has a board explaining a bit about each person and what they hope to achieve. The best part about the allotment area has to be that it allows people to learn new skills alongside each other. If you've heard some of our recent episodes, you'll know we've been bringing ingredients in from our gardens and allotments and concocting some delicious wintry drinks. Mark Diacono has wetted our taste buds with some gin-based beverages, but today, a drink with a kick. Organic grower Anna Greenland has a fiery treat for us. So fire cider is also known as an oxymel, which comes from the Greek oxymeli, which means acid and honey. So it's a combination of apple cider vinegar, which is the sort of the acidic part, and then the sweeter honey. And then infused into that are lots of different ingredients, which really help to bolster your immunity through the winter. And it was sort of championed by a herbalist called Rosemary Gladstar, who was making it quite a long time ago in, in the States. But lots of kind of home herbalists have, have made it for, for generations, really. I really like making fire cider as a sort of a bit, it's become a bit of a, a winter ritual to me. It just makes me feel like I've got a little bit of an ally in my kitchen cupboard if I start to feel a bit under the weather. To make about 500 millilitres, you would need half an onion, 30 grams of ginger, 20 grams of horseradish, 20 grams of turmeric, You'd need a large whole head of garlic with the cloves peeled and chopped, half a fresh red chilli, or you can use cayenne pepper, sort of dried, a quarter of a teaspoon, and then a couple of tablespoons, maybe more, of runny honey. So you can add that at the end to taste. So keep tasting it, keep adding the honey um, if you want it sweeter. And then you don't have to be very precise with the herbs. Just grab some sprigs of rosemary, sage and thyme, strip them off the actual sprigs and chop them and add them. Or you can just plunge them in whole if you want because you're going to strain it all out anyway. And then half a lemon sliced and then topped up with the apple cider vinegar. You can put it all into a kiln a jar and then yeah, cover it over with the, with the vinegar and just let it steep. 
in a warm, dark place, so somewhere like a kitchen cupboard for three to four weeks. It's really easy to make um, and it's something that I do every winter really. And I just take a spoonful of it in some hot water on a quite regular basis. If I feel like I'm getting a bit under the weather, then I'll kind of up my dose a little bit um, or mix it into a, a salad dressing, something like that. Do be aware, you know, if you have any kind of underlying health issues, if you suffer from really bad acid reflux, anything like that, that apple cider vinegar might irritate, then do, you know, read up on it first. So all the ingredients in the fire cider are easy to grow in your own garden, aside from the lemon, I would say. <laughs> onions and garlic are a good one. Onions you can sow from seed or you can plant the sets in the spring. Chilies get started early in February sort of time and bring those on in a, in a greenhouse. Ginger and turmeric, you can actually grow. One of my friends has just grown turmeric successfully this summer in a greenhouse. So with ginger and turmeric, you can take a root that you buy potentially from a supermarket or ideally you may source one. There's quite a few specialist suppliers online because you know they'll be from sort of disease-free stock and you break them up and you plant each individual little bit with a little bud and you do need to keep them indoors because they don't like temperatures to drop too low. I don't think, I mean, maybe there's people out there that will say I'm wrong. I've never had bumper, bumper crops from them. But, you know, providing you've got a reasonably good depth of soil, maybe sort of a 30 centimetre pot and they're indoors, they should shoot and you should get something from them. Horseradish is very easy. I think it's, it's very invasive. So I would go for... I've actually got some in a in a kind of tin bath just to restrict it from rampaging through my garden. But it also makes it easier to harvest when it's not in the ground because it can be quite, um, it's got a very long tap root, so it can be quite hard to dig out. But, but yeah, it will grow really happily here in the UK. Herbs like rosemary, sage and thyme, they're very easy to grow together as a sort of a, a trilogy of Mediterranean herbs. So they don't require too much watering. They don't like to have really wet roots. You could mix a bit of gravel in with your potting compost when you're planting them into pots just to give them that sort of good drainage. And they'll go through the autumn into the winter. So again, it's a good one for, good seasonal one for the sort of autumn winter period. It's a nice thing to do because there's a lot of chopping. So, you know, you're chopping up lots of onions and garlic and turmeric and ginger. And it's actually a really nice thing to do with friends or, you know, as a community event or something like that. Or even with kids, although actually now that I've had a kid, I'm not sure that I used to say that, but I think it'd be absolute chaos. Thanks, Anna. Her recipe for fire cider can be found in her book, Grow Easy, organic crops for pots and small plots. Well, that takes us to the end of this week's show. For more on anything from today and to learn more about the amazing projects we've heard about, you can visit rhs.org.uk forward slash podcast or check out our show notes.
I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.